Sequart presents Judging Dread, 13 essays analyzing 2000 AD's most beloved and reviled character, forward by Matt Smith, interview with Rob Williams, edited by Scott Weatherly. Find out who is the law. of the show, you know, the last time I did a hidden gem, I said the next hidden gem was going to be Dark Horse Comics, The Answer by Mike Norton. So here we are. We're ready to dig deep into Dark Horse Comics, The Answer. Now, what is The Answer, you ask? Uh, Well, it is a four-issue run from Dark Horse from 2013. It's written uh, by... Uh, Dennis Hopeless and art by Mike Norton with the story by both of them. So they did the story together and then Dennis Hopeless does the actual scripting and Mike Norton does the actual art. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the art because it is a lot of fun, but the story is really fascinating and I just really like this book. The colors are by Mike Englert, the letters are by Crank, um, and then the cover is by Mike and Mark. So that is how it goes. What do you need to know about the answer and the kind of backstory of it and how it exists and why it's a hidden gem? So for me, what makes anything a hidden gem is that it, you know, it didn't get its due. It only ran for a short time. Most people haven't heard of it. All of those things. So this is only eight years old, this book, but uh, it definitely, I don't know anybody who's read it. So that also makes it a hidden gem. Uh, Though I discovered when I did my assassination show, uh, lots of people love that book, and there's going to be um, a little mini that pops out. I, I got a tweet from the artist of that book, so that's very exciting. Erica sent out a thing saying, hey, if you like Assassination, it's gonna, there's going to be more. So if you like that show and you like Assassination, just pay attention to uh, the universe because you're getting more. So I'm going to put this out in the universe to Mike and Dennis, and hopefully we will get some more of the answer because this book ends in a way that is 100% set up for us to get some more. Uh, but it isn't. Just like Assassination, it ends, and you know, you're like, what? And then you want more. So the book begins. There is uh, our main character, the answer, is a, is a costume superhero. So you'd think yeah, our titular character is the answer, but the main character is actually a librarian uh, called Devin McKenzie, and she is an insomniac, and she loves to do puzzles. And so she's like one of the smartest people in the world. And she's just, you, you learn throughout that book that she's always solving things. Like that's her jam is to, she's almost got like a Sherlock Holmes level of genius. And I really like Devin as a character. And a lot of times you'd make a book like this and you're like, well, you know, there's the superhero guy. And then there's the, um, you know, the damsel in distress, as it were. And so he's just there to save her. And so that is true to an extent. Um, You know, he is definitely a a regenerative hero. You know, he dies and comes back several times, which I'll get into as I go through this and and why I think that's important and significant. But 
Um, she's really smarter than everybody else, literally smarter than everybody else in the book. And so while, yes, she's not a physical match for the answer or for any of the things that happen to her, she's 100% um, a genius and she can handle herself. So when we first meet her, she's at her library and she's drinking out of her cup that says librarians do it by the book, which I think is great. And she's got this really messy desk and she's doing a crossword puzzle while she's watching Jeopardy. And so she's answering the answers on Jeopardy while she's filling in the New York Times crossword puzzle. And she's like multiple, she's doing things with multiple hands. So you can tell, you know, she's a genius. She's, cause, you know, in general, you can't do all these different things at the same time. Most of us can't do something with our right hand that's different from our left hand. I mean, drummers do this, of course, and guitarists, but that's not the same. You're still it's all the same thing. You're not like drumming with your right hand and then writing a novel with your left hand, but it seems like Devin could do that. <clears throat> and so she gets this, this puzzle box from her mom, uh, a puzzle ball, and it's like the first time ever that her mom actually gave her something for her 30th birthday. She's just turned 30. And there's this flashback scene where um, we see uh, like all of these other lame, absurd presents that her mother has given her. And then in the background of that scene, you actually see a picture of Battle Pug, which is one of Mike Norton's other books. So that's pretty funny that um, he dropped him, he dropped Battle Pug in. Um, maybe one day we'll do Battle Pug. But for now, we're just going to focus on the answer. So it's very cool. The art style here that Norton does is, um, it's again, not photorealistic, but it is very detailed. So there's, there's wrinkles in her face. Her hair is not always perfect. Um, he, he shades it in such a way that uh, you, can, you can tell that she's tired because she's an insomniac. So that's a really smart uh, character design, and, and he's consistent throughout that. It's not just like, here's one scene, but she's always kind of looks tired, and her eyes are puffy, and um, it's just really smartly drawn. And, and so you, get, you go from this scene where she's, you know, She's doing all this other stuff, and then she immediately gets this puzzle ball, and boom. So what she does is um, she solves it, and it it takes her to um, a website where it says, go to enter the Aperion, A-P-E-I-R-O-N. So if I'm, spelling that, if I'm saying that incorrectly, I, I apologize, but enter the Aperion. So it's this website where they're now going to test her. So, of course, she just goes through, and, and there's some other cuts to some of these other people, and she just goes through you know, and destroys this thing is, is the fastest record that, um, that anybody's ever set. So then she does through all this. So I, I realize that normally in this show, I don't like go play by play, but I just want to get a setup so you understand how smart Devin is. So everything that happens up to this point, this is all just the first few pages, so I'm not giving too much away. Obviously, I don't want to spoil. But what you learn in just these few simple economic pages is all of that information that I just said to you. It's literally like four or five pages. So it's so well done. And I think what makes what the layers of this book that work for me are that Devin's a genius and the storytelling is really smart. It's not, they don't, uh, Norton doesn't try to dumb it down for us. He's not like, well, I'm going to tell a story about a really smart person and then I'm going to have the point of view character be someone less smart. So like uh, I mentioned Holmes already. And so the thing is with Holmes, and I know um, Mike has just talked about this uh, the I Like to Like Things show and his love of Sherlock. And I agree with everything that he said. The newest version of Sherlock is really great because Watson gets his due a little bit the way that they do that, where in general, and I'm a big Holmes fan. I think I've read all the stories. If not, I've read, you know, uh, I would say almost so. I can't imagine the ones I haven't read. Maybe the ones after he came back from the 
dead aren't really great, but I've read a lot of homes. I like homes. Uh, when there's a new homes, anything. Enola Homes, read those. Whatever, homes. You want me to, I'm, I'm a man. I love that kind of stuff. But throughout time, whether it's the young Sherlock Holmes movie or the um, whatever it is, until recently, until the elementary and the Sherlock show, Watson is always kind of a dummy. But you're like, well, but Watson's a medical doctor and he's not a dummy. It's, but he's supposed to be the avatar for the audience. And so therefore he has to be a little dumb. He has to always be one step behind. And sure, in Sherlock, the new series and in elementary, you know, Watson's still a step behind a little bit. But it, those characters, those versions aren't just dumbasses. And so what I, I, whether those writers of those shows read the answer or not, I don't know. But it feels to me 100% that what, what they saw, what I see in the answer is, we're going to write a story from the perspective of the smart person and we're going to make it smart. We're not going to dumb it down. We're, we're going to trust the audience. And, and if you're reading a book called The Answer, you know, and it, the, the cover is amazing and, and his, uh, Mike's design of The Answer I'll get into is really fantastic. And it is really hardcore um, superhero-y. And uh, like I said, the detail isn't photorealistic, but it's really hyper-detailed. So, you know, he's jacked up and his suit is black, but you can see every single muscle. And it's really, it's really like a throwback to um, kind of the 80s and 90s comic books uh, when superheroes really went from looking like folks to looking like, you know, steroid raging lunatics. And maybe the answer is a steroid raging lunatic. So there's a commentary there too. But again, let me get there. But what I love most is just that, that Devin is smart. The, the audience is treated smartly. We are not talked down to by this writer, uh, these writing team, Hopeless and Norton. They said, like, look, if you're, you're going to just have to follow along and you're going to get there. And so while there's a mystery and while we don't get all the answers by the end, which I'm OK with and probably most people aren't OK with that. And, you know, again, not to spoil. We don't do that here. But we don't get all the answers. And so it's a book called The Answer that doesn't give you all the answers. So there's, there's just another layer of smart trusting the audience to say, well, even if we don't get another one of these even if now it's been eight years and we're still not getting a, a sequel to the answer, we can decide for ourselves what happens. And again, I love an ending like that. I love an ending that is not a neat bow. I'm okay with that. The reason for me, my favorite Star Wars movie is Empire. Well, it doesn't, there's not a neat bow there. I, I think middle books or middle movies are often my favorites because you know, they know they're the middle books. They know they're the middle movies. And so what are they doing? Is they're preparing you for something to come next. They're preparing you to come back and, and watch the ending. And they're ambiguous. So I love that. And while, yes, of course, I want an ending. I want to know the ending. I'm also okay with endings. I never watched The Sopranos. Sorry, people of the universe who think that's the greatest show ever. I was never really super interested. I'm sure the performances were great. Everybody says it's great, cool, super great. I'm glad people love it. It was just not something I was really super interested in. However, because the universe is the universe and I live in the world, you know, I know how this Sopranos ends, where it doesn't end. All you hear fade to black, you hear a dingle of a bell, and you don't know what happens. I think that's brilliant. I think that's amazing. That's the way it needs to end. Because then you get to decide, and if you've been paying attention, 
you can then apply your critical thinking skills, your literary criticism skills, uh, even if it's just reader response, which is just here's what I get out of it. You can apply that to a show like that. And the answer does that. It gives you four really smart, funny, fast-paced. I mean, this you'll sit down and read these four issues. They're available. Guess where they are? I know you're going to be like, what? Are you going to say it? I am. Hoopla Digital. You can get these for free on Hoopla Digital. And just remember, if you use Hoopla, every time you check something out from Hoopla, the library pays the creator. So you check something out from Hoopla, they send Dark Horse money, Mike and Dennis get money. That's how it works. So Hoopla Digital, it's it's your jam. Get on there, get that. Now, if you want to buy this, I would totally recommend buying it. You can get it. It looks like it's on Comixology for like eight bucks and uh, you can get used copies. It looks like on Amazon for even just $2. So if you want to do that, if you're like, well, I'd rather spend the money, but remember when you buy a used copy, the only person who's getting money is the person you're buying it from. Just keep that in mind. So if you're going to spend the money, get the digital or buy it new from Dark Horse because at least then the creators get some money. So anyway, not to get down some weird rabbit hole. Um, Anyway, so we cut back to the story. Let's talk about the answer for a second. This guy is bananas. He has this feeling of the Badger, which I love. And one of these days, I'm totally going to do a hidden gem on the Badger. Heath and I, my friend Heath Fedora and I have talked about doing the Badger. And I'm just the worst trying to schedule with him is my fault. So I apologize, Heath. Uh, I know we're going to get on this. He's going to come on. We're going to do Sin City. I definitely want to do the Badger. Mike Barron is the Badger. That's another crazy guy. And there's a, there's a there's a sense of that here. And this the answer came after the Badger. But there's a sense of just abandoned bananas. And I love that. I love a good crazy hero. I don't need my hero to necessarily be sane. And in fact, I think that's what makes it more fun. And that's why he's a great counterbalance to Devin because she's so grounded and she's so smart and she wants answers and he's the answer and he doesn't have any answers. He never says anything about who he is. It's like he just is this super badass. His his face is a hood, like a Spider-Man, like a full mask. And instead of there being eye holes or anything, there's just an exclamation point on his face. And then his belt buckle also has an exclamation point. It is amazing. It's so bizarre. Everything about him is super weird. And he's, like I said, he's frantic. And it seems like he dies on more than one occasion, but he doesn't. He keeps coming back and he jumps and he flies and he, he you know, swings from buildings so he's like a little bit of every here every comic book hero you could ever want all wrapped into one in this big he's exciting so think about comic books and if you go back to you know like batman 66 and the bang and the bong and all the biff and pow and all that stuff and anything that's an onomatopoeia there's always an exclamation point and and sound effects and comic books have exclamation points and so here's this comic book superhero a costumed hero with just an exclamation point he's just leaning in so it's really clever because it's just acknowledging this is why you're reading this. You're reading, you picked this book up because this cover looks amazing. They're acknowledging that you picked it up, not knowing what you were going to get because you're like, oh, it's the answer. Look at this cool guy. He's got an exclamation point. And then just like, oh, he's not even the hero in his own. He's not even the star of his own comic. Very smart, very clever. And it leans in heavy, again, as I mentioned, to the damsel in distress trope because yeah, for sure, Devin is in distress and people are hunting her down. But that's the other thing, too, is there's this mystery. And again, not to give anything away, there's a level of who's who's right. Is the answer really trying to help her or are these other people really trying to is, is he saving her or is he putting her in danger? And when we think about the damsel in distress or anytime somebody who's not super powered 
ends up in a comic. Half the time, if you're just like, look, just sit in your apartment or hide in the closet, you're, you're going to be okay. But it's always like, I'm going to save you and let's run into danger. Well, if, if you're trying to save me, maybe taking me out onto the street where bullets are whizzing by, maybe that's not the best, safest place. But, but that, then there's no story. So again, there's commentary here on the way that, that the sidekicks, the damsels in distress, the Steve, the Steve Trevors, uh, the Carol Ferrises of the world, and how they're very capable characters in their own right, but they always seem to be put in danger. This is like Xander and Buffy. You know, he has no power, but he's always there for some reason. Um, in the way, you know, except for a few episodes, he's always there in the thick of things, even though it's like there's no way he should be the one who lives, right? He should, he should have died in ep- issue three, episode three of that show. But he doesn't because, you know, you want him there. He's the, he's, if without there being someone in, a, a damsel in distress. And as we've been going through the Buffy show, Jack and I have, uh, there's a, in the Once More With Feeling where it's like, oh, Dawn's in trouble, it must be Tuesday. And you're just like, so it's, and that's commentary to when the show was on at the time in real time. But also, of course, that's what happens. It's just another week, Dawn's in trouble. It's because she's normal at that point. You know, she was, even though she was the key, she was never really, she didn't ever have any power. She was never a potential, she's just a kid. And so, of course, she's in trouble. And you're like, well, you're constantly putting her in trouble. And there's a commentary in Buffy about that, about, well, you don't want me in trouble, but it finds me anyway. It comes to our house. Our house gets destroyed. No matter what happens, just living in Sunnydale, things are bad. And so those things happen, and it's a trope. And this book just says, yep, it's a trope. We're going to talk about it being a trope without saying the word trope. And so he's constantly putting Devin in danger, maybe. Or is he trying to save her? We just simply don't know. And because we see him get killed multiple times and comes back multiple times, and you just aren't sure what the hell's going on. Is he wearing bulletproof vest? I have no idea what's happening. It's crazy, you know, so you just don't know. So it's super crazy, but it's really fun and it's interesting and it makes you want to turn the next page. And and it's all these things I'm talking about, the whole damsel in distress, and you don't think about till the book is over. Because, of course, in the moment, it's just a regular superhero comic. So you're just like, yep, this is, of course, what happens. The answer does this and the answer does this. And he's... He's helping Devin, so therefore, to help Devin, he has to put her in danger. And so it's, um, you don't think about it till it's over. Now I'm asking you to think about it now while you're reading it. So uh, it, it is really smart. And what I like, too, is the, is the action scenes are good. The, again, leaning into the tropes. It's, I've mentioned this before on the show. The reason Deadpool works is because he's making fun of the thing while living in the thing. And I don't think this is total satire, although there is a satirical element, which I've already addressed about the damsel of distress and what a superhero is and isn't. But it's also just, it's still a superhero comic. So, so that's how it works. You can make a commentary when you live in it, if you do it. Now, this could just be a comic about Devin, and if the answer isn't involved at all and everything else that happens in this book happens without the answer, it would still be really great. But people wouldn't have picked it up. Of course, people didn't pick it up as well as, I, as, well as it should have. And again, maybe this is all Mike wanted. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe their whole thing, Mike and Dennis were like, nope, we're just going to do four issues and we just want it to. And again, like I was saying, they just want an ambiguous ending and that's it. That could be fine too. I don't know because I don't know them. But uh, there is a really good story here. Just Devin's story is really interesting. But again, they're giving you some amazing action sequences. So there's some stuff where the answer's chasing after Devin and the way that he runs through town and like parkours off walls and slides around. It's really fun. And so there's what they do best. And this is something I wish more comic book writers were willing to do. 
And it probably helps that Mike is co-storyteller and Dennis is the writer. So, you know, they're, they're, they're partners in this. But And again, I, I've mentioned him before, who I think is one of the best comic book writers, is Brian Edward Hill. He's willing to have silent pages. He's willing to just breathe. He's like, here you go, artist. I've written a really great story. Let's go. And I've just read a couple of comics. I don't want to say names because this isn't a show where I'm you know, trying to shit on things. But I've read some, some comics re- recently that I just... The writer couldn't get out of the way. These are new comics, not like Claremont. We all know Claremont has is wordy. And he's a novelist first who just happened to be in comic books. And that's fine. And I'm not I read books all the time. I, I read I read Les Mis. I've read Don Quixote. You know, it's not a long book doesn't scare me, but it's a book. I know what it is. I, a comic book is a visual medium. And so I don't need all the exposition and I don't need and just show me. And you can tell a great story with just a handful of words. And so, because you've written a bunch of words to describe the pages and then you're turning it over to your artist and trust the artist. And Mike trusts himself as the artist and, and to, to tell a great story, but he also has convinced his co-writer or that was just the deal from the beginning. Dennis says, all right, man, uh, let's ju- here's gonna be some panels where stuff happens and we're gonna let that story simmer and take hold. So even though there's a lot of plot and Devin needs to say words and the people need to say words to her, there's still just a lot of visual storytelling and I never get bogged down. And so they, they, they balance that out. They balance out. Here's some exposition heavy stuff. People in the back of a limo or people in a room talking and it's like, hey, we're, I bet you're wondering, Devin, why you're here. Well, yeah, I am. Okay, that scene has to happen because we have to know something. This isn't a total Kafka story. Uh, you know, we need, we get some explanation. But we do see some newscasts and there's some clever way of storytelling. <clears throat> Sorry, I just did not mean to go all Peter Brady. When it's time to change. Okay, anyway, I'm leaving that in. Because, you know, I'm a 48-year-old man who whose voice cracked, so I'm just going to leave that right in the show. This is the problem with the... We're talking to yourself, I don't know how Matthew and Mike do it as often as they do because I screw up all the time. So the storytelling is done in a really smart way with exposition happening outside of the car or outside of the room. They use newscast exposition, which I know that's kind of a trite thing to do again, but it's a way to tell the story. It makes people watch news. People listen to the radio. That's those, those things exist. So it seems silly. You're like, oh yeah, all the, all the beats, all the stories being told on a newscast, but doesn't it make sense that it would? No, I mean, that always makes sense with the words that they're saying. It's a little too, the chirons are a little too on the nose, but it also makes sense. And so what we see here is some smart storytelling where they get out of their own way and they let the visual aspect of the story breathe. And then they also get right in and, and tell you what you need to know, except when you don't. And so, and again, sometimes you don't need to know. Now, again, I don't want to give anything away, but there is a scene in chapter three of this, volume three, they call them chapters, where, oh my God, there's this whole joke about his mask, about the answer's mask. And I don't even want to give too much away here because I just want you to see it. But when you read this book, just be prepared for the whole thing about the mask and the commentary on the superhero mask thing and the baddies and the masks. Because it just is so dumb. At least like with 
Superman if it was like it's just a guy with glasses or Wonder Woman she just is Wonder Woman, whatever. You know, there's no difference. So how you don't know that Diana Prince is Wonder Woman, I don't know. Or you don't know that Clark Kent is Superman because you're an idiot. But the people who wear masks and they always get knocked out eventually or there's the baddies who get them and then they wake up and their masks are still on. And, you're, and so there's this really funny joke in this about the answers mask. And I just, it's in the third volume. When you get there, you'll know. It is really funny. Like, milk out the nose funny. I just loved everything about that because, again, it's such a great commentary on the superhero genre and the dumb stuff. And, like, we as comic book fans are just totally willing to suspend reality. And we're like, yeah, yeah, of course. That's what happened. Of course, that's how comic books work. We know how comic books work. And so the hero wears a mask. But why? But really, why? Why does the hero... Why is the hero's mask always on? It just, it doesn't make any sense. So uh, it, it does, you know, it, it works here because it's commentary on it. And I just love it. And when you get to uh, what you think is going to be some revealing information and who's good and who's bad and all of that, again, this comic just subverts everything that you think you know. And... You're like, oh, this place seems awesome. Oh, this place is bad. Oh, wait, uh, who now? I thought that was a good guy. Wait, is that a bad guy? And so it, it always is, is leaving you guessing. But again, Mike and Dennis trust you as the reader to just keep up. So that's what makes it fun. So uh, the art, as again, I mentioned the art style is beautiful. It's fast paced. It's only four issues. You can really, really read this whole thing in a half an hour. You could read all four issues in the time that it took you to listen to this show. So now that you're almost to the end of this show, and I'm like, well, that sounds good. I love a good superhero comic. I also love a smart comic. I love something that's well drawn. I like a female lead. I like something that subverts expectations. If you like all that thing, the answer is for you. This is a book for comic nerds. They always say, who's a book for? It's for comic nerds. I wouldn't hand the answer to somebody who's never read a comic because a lot of it, they wouldn't get. It would feel to them everything that they expect a comic to be, the, the stereotypes of comics, they're all here. And so they wouldn't get it because they've not read years of comics. So if you're a superhero comic reader, if you love the Oracle, Babs is the Oracle. I know Matthew always says, that's the best iteration of Babs is the Oracle. Well, this is a love letter to Oracle. Even the way that Devin looks is a lot like Babs with, the, with her hair and, and her glasses and everything. So if you like Oracle, you'll like this. If you like... If you just like comics, this is for you. Because I think you have to be able to make fun of yourself in order to survive. I think why people love the Marvel movies so much is because there's a lightheartedness there. Which I always say yes, because genocide is hysterical. Endgame and Infinity War should be super funny. And I know I'm in the minority to say it. I think those are fine films. I think the Avengers movies, all four of them, are, are fine. They're not my favorite Marvel movies. I think... I just don't... I think the humor was so shoehorned into those because that's what we had been, we had we had grown to expect those things. And they were, I mean, Paul Rudd's always funny and charming and Robert Downey Jr. is always funny and charming. And, you know, you've got good comedy actors in there, right? So it's not as though those performances were, were bad. It's just it felt shoehorned in because that's what you're expecting. And I think that's why the Marvel movies work so well is because you're not, ex they, they don't take themselves so seriously. They know the absurdity of it. And that first Iron Man movie, you know, at the very end when he's like, I am Iron Man. And it's like that, 
that's a commentary on the whole, why would I keep this secret? Why would Tony Stark keep anything secret? He's such a, you know, a megalomaniac. So it's, so it's a commentary on it while it's also the thing. And that's what the answer is. It's commentary on comic books while it's also a comic book. It's superhero comic for people who love superhero comics, but also know it's a little ridiculous that grown men in tights are silly. And that, you know, there's also the, the layer of, you know, the smart woman in behind it all, which again was, is what I love about Oracle too. And in the new Batman stuff, she's back to be an Oracle for a while. And I love her as Oracle. I think those are some of the best things she does. She's in everybody's ear. They all rely on her. They're like, Oracle, I'm screwed. What should I do? And Babs just knows because Babs just knows. And she's the smartest member of the team in a lot of ways. And so I love that. And that's what's really smart here too. So I can't recommend the answer from Dark Horse Comics enough. Dennis Hapless, Mike Norton, get out there, get to Hoopla, pick this thing up and, and give it a go. It's, it's fun. And I really do think if you love comics, you will love this book. So what's next for me? Well, I'm going to do another Hidden Gems coming up here. It's going to be First Comics Mars series, which was a recommendation from the aforementioned Matthew B. Lloyd. He was like, oh, you should do that. So I'm going to. And I, like I said before, I remember it in abstract. Uh, I don't think I've read them all, probably. And it may just be like, oh, I remember that cover. So I'm interested to get on there. Now, that is going to, that's the reason I didn't do that one next. I did the answer before that because I could get the answer on Hoopla. I cannot get Mars on Hoopla. So I'm going to have to get it a different way, which is to buy it. And that's okay. But again, unfortunately, I'm going to have to get used copies because I don't think I can even just get a digital copy of it. Uh, I'm going to look again. So I've put it off so I can see if I can actually get the creator some money. If not, I'll find a used copy of it. But it's going to be another hidden gem. First Comics Mars. It's a nine-issue run. So I'm really excited about that. And then we'll see where we're at. Uh, I've got a couple of other ideas for hidden gems. If you've got a hidden gem that you want me to talk about, go ahead, send me a message. on. I'm on Twitter at Tricycle Boombox, or you can send a message to me through my website, arfarina.com. Make sure you like and subscribe to the Comics in Motion feed. Give us a review on your favorite podcast catcher. We've got so many amazing shows on here, and every day, almost something different. So get out there. Uh, listen to my other show, Season's Greetings with my friend Jack. We're finishing up Buffy by the time this comes out. This one, we should have dropped the Buffy Season 7 and possibly even the Buffy Season wrap-up. And then we're going to be moving into Season's Greetings Season 2, Investigating Angel. So that should be a good a good fun time too. So follow that. So if you're subscribed to Comics Motion, then you should get all that. So if you're here because you're like, oh, the answer, I love that comic. I want to listen to somebody talk about that. The answer for half an hour. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Uh, but get out there, uh, read independent comics, read comics. Just read comics. They're great stuff. Read this. Leave me a message. Leave us a review. Thank you all, and I will see you all next. <laughs>